Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another broadcast on the Soul of America Radio. Tonight, you're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness, with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio, hosted and produced by the Soul of America Radio. Comments made on tonight's broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Blog Talk Radio, the Soul of America Radio, or its host. Hope and Healing takes you from a place of pain, abuse, violence, rejection, and abandonment to a place of hope, healing, and power. All aboard with your author, activist, advocate, and friend, man of purpose himself, and your host for the evening, Mr. J. R. Diggler. And welcome and welcome again to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us here tonight, right here on the Soul of America Radio Network. That's right, each and every Monday night, you can find us right here at normally 9 o'clock Eastern Time, but tonight, a special edition, it is 9.30 Eastern Time, 8.30 in the Central Time Zone, 7.30 in the in the Mountain Time Zone, and 6.30 in the Pacific, and wherever you may be around the globe, you listen to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness, and this is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us. And those of you that may be joining us for the very first time, we want to say to you, thank you for taking the opportunity on this Monday evening to be with us. What an exciting time that we have lined up for you tonight. As we are broadcasting live, that's right, we have a very special broadcast tonight. We're broadcasting live right from the heart of the Mississippi Delta. We're here in Greenville, Mississippi, where we've actually been since Saturday afternoon. Have a distinct pleasure and honor to be a part of one of the nation's finest conference, and that is the Speaking of Faith conference that is happening right here in Greenville, Mississippi. And uh, it's being sponsored by the organization that's called Our House, and uh, that's New Birth to Violence Free Living. And what a tremendous job that they have done inside of sponsoring this conference. So I want to give a shout-out to Dr. Patricia Davenport and the entire staff over at Our House in Greenville, Mississippi, for putting on a tremendous conference. Listen, as a conference speaker and presenter from all over the country, I've been to many conferences, been a part of many of them. But I must say this has been an extraordinary conference that is addressing a very crucial issue, and I've had the elements of not only just instructional practicality, but also the spirituality, and all of those solutions are coming together. So this conference here has absolutely been everything as advertised, and I'm telling you, it is one that will be talked about for years to come. And once again, I'm excited to have been a part of it. 
that in conjunction with the African-American Domestic Peace Project, and uh, we're excited about what is happening today. And so for those of you that are listening for the very first time, we're glad that you've joined us here tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network. I am, once again, I'm J.R. Ficklin, and I am so glad to have you. For those of you that have not heard this show before, this show is designed with the platform addressing the issues of domestic and sexual assault, spiritual abuse, abandonment, rejection, or whatever one may be healing for. And this is a platform where we're able to actually begin a process. We believe that healing is a journey. And in order to get to wholeness, you must journey through that process. And this platform is often filled with individuals that are calling in, oftentimes special guests that are sharing their stories and their testimony, different ones that are calling in to share interventions and strategies that have been successful. And like many times on this show, there are guests that have called in who have been a part of the greater good inside of making this show what it is. For those of you that follow us on Facebook, you can always find us at our Facebook page, Domestic Violence, It Is Your Business. That's one of our pages. The other page we have is our Destiny by Choice 2, that's the Roman numeral 2, Fellowship page. That page, there's the page of inspiration. It is a page where there is a group of of individuals that are there that are part of the Destiny by Choice 2 family. It's a drama-free social media where there's praises and worship that is going up, testimonials, uh, encouragement that is there. It is there for any time, day or night, that you can participate in because it is often, often one of the inspirational pick-me-up places that you can find any time of the day. And we're always excited about that. That page is being definitely being operated and ministered by none other than Indy Harlem, too. And we're always grateful for her. She is the... uh, she is the uh, senior administrator as well as she is the uh, president of the operations there. And so we sent out a shout-out to Indy for always making sure things are there. And so now what I want to say to you today, for those of you that are listening, as you know, this is a special time that we're coming on 30 minutes uh, later. And one reason, because once again, we're broadcasting tonight live from the Mississippi Delta. We're here in Greenville, Mississippi. I've had the pledge and honor of being here since Saturday evening and uh, I tell you, it has not left us disappointed in terms of the content and, and, and in terms of the substance, in terms of the many different things that have come forth in our time together. So I want to make sure that we're all aware of that, what's going on inside of that. And once again, we're here. Uh, and a speaking of faith conference, and this is about having a conversation between social workers and social services as well as the faith community in addressing the issue of domestic violence. And so I know tonight we have a lot of them, uh, special guests that is on with us tonight, a lot of our friends and colleagues that are from around the country that they're on tonight. And tonight's show is very interesting. Uh, as you know, every show is always in podcast, is always there. for So those of you that are listening by way of Internet, www.soulofamericaradio.com, you simply go there and hit live show, and you're able to get into today's show. Every show that we have is always archived, so you can always go back to listen to it later. You can even share it with someone else. You can email it or whichever way you decide to do. The other part I want to say tonight is for those of you that are listening for the very first time, I welcome you to the show, and by all means, I want to get on with some of our callers that are listening. Oh, if you're listening today and you simply want to have a question, you want to be a guest, you have a question, uh, you have something you want to share, just simply call area code 323-784-9638. That's area code 
That's area code, once again, 323-784-9638. And simply hit the number one on your keypad. The number one lets our producer know that you want to call on the air, and we can get you on the air. You don't have to give your name if you don't like to, but we'll always acknowledge you by the last few digits of your number to let you know that you're coming on the air tonight. So I want to get started real quickly there. We do have one of our very special guests that is on with us, and our special guests tonight, uh, many of them, so I'm going to try to identify them by their phone numbers because they're in, uh, they're here also in uh, a part of this conference. So one of the things I want to do immediately, I want to bring on a special guest, uh, one of our first guests, he's with us all the way from Tacoma, Washington, and I'm going to say a happy good evening, and I must say very much a grand welcome to none other than Dr. John Castell. He is here tonight. Good evening, Dr. Castell. Welcome to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. Hey, Jr. good evening. Good evening. It's uh, good to be able to chat with you. It's, you know, besides the, 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 the 100 degree weather here, it's, it's been nice, and uh, when I get back to Tacoma, I won't complain about our weather anymore. But one Absolutely. Of the I, was, <laughs> I was just really happy and happy to see you again as usual. I, and I appreciated some of the things that we have been discussing. But one thing that stood out to me, I want to get your take on this too. One is that we talk about domestic violence uh, almost just, it's, it's just uh, daily, naturally. And when we hear that some people don't understand what um, they, they Everybody should know what the, uh, the, the domestic violence is. I want to hear. I want to hear your comments on that too. And then, secondly, uh, the difference between anger management and uh, the domestic violence batterers treatment efforts. The, the difference between that. You know, sometimes people think that. And I want to chat with you on that a little bit. People sometimes confuse um, anger management, uh, pastoral counseling, with domestic violence. Treatment, and I, it was just neat today that we wasn't seen that we talked about, and this was a big piece of the concern is when people didn't realize that there was a difference between anger management and domestic violence. And um, can, can I elaborate on that a little bit now? Do I have time to do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I would love for you to elaborate on it because so many people need to hear it. Uh, even those that may be in the profession oftentimes misconstrue uh, the definition and they, they use them as if they're interchangeable parts and they're not. And that can be a very dangerous uh, situation when you start talking about prescribing treatment or the right course of action for a person who may be a perpetrator and even far as that person who may be a victim. If you're, if you're mandating them or ordering them to the wrong services, you still have put the victim in greater danger and you really have done a disservice to the uh, perpetrator as well. But definitely, Dr. Cassell, I would love for you to elaborate on that for our audience. Because greater damage because two things. One, if, you, if, they're, if they're mandated to go into an inappropriate treatment like anger management for a domestic violence issue, it's kind of both the bad rap both is not willing, has had treatment, but is still not responsive when it was domestic strictly about the power and control. And the and, and sometimes the balance
Okay, I think I'm losing you. I don't know what uh, which area you, you may be in, but I'm losing your signal a little bit there. If um, uh, I don't hear you right now, okay, I'm not sure if you're still talking. Getting... Okay, that's better. Okay. I hear you now. Okay, 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 good. And if it go out again, let, let me know. Thank you. The um, the difference between the uh, domestic violence and anger is that yeah, people can be provoked to anger. But domestic violence, the power of control is not always the, the violence is not always the result of being provoked. It's, it's strictly to enforce that, that power and control safety on behalf of the, 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 uh, the bearer. The, the anger is just one tool that they use. They use anger uh, as a form of intimidation, um, uh, money, economics, and any kind of the control to keep the bearer, to keep the victim um, under their control. And I know my wife is there, and she wanted to have a little say on that, too. Did Absolutely. I lose you? Okay. And, and so I, I, when, we, when people are going, if, they, if they're required to get a domestic violence evaluation or they think they need one, they really want to make sure if it's domestic violence, they don't settle for an anger management evaluation or anger memory treatment in lieu of a domestic violence. And in addition to being a licensed uh, a, a domestic violence therapist, I'm also a, a, a pastor, an ordained minister. And sometimes I need to say to my brothers, you know, in, in the ministry, we, it, it's always good to be able to refer out because just because we're trained as a, to do pastoral counseling or a Christian counseling, it's not this, domestic violence is not the same thing as a marital problem. And we want to make that distinction as well. Absolutely. That is a very critical distinction to make because, once again, when it's reduced to that, and here's one of those things that is important because when we start talking about accountability and uh, and, and you give a, a, a person who is a perpetrator of abuse and you say, well, we're going to order you to 12 weeks of anger management, well, you think about it. Yeah. If I'm a person who really don't want to change and I'm just trying to satisfy the courts and you say 12 weeks versus 26 weeks, let's see, it's a no-brainer, I'm going to take 12 weeks. You know, because, that's in right. fact, I figured that's a shorter course and I want to take it, but really it's doing me a disservice because my real issue is not necessarily anger. As you said, it, anger is one of the tools that I'm using. And so I end yeah. up I end up with a certificate or whatever at the end of it, but I've not been I've not been transformed and there's not really been much modification in my behavior. So, therefore, it's a setup because uh, uh, the person who's my partner that I've, I've abused, for whatever reason, she sees a certificate and somehow or another interprets a certificate, meaning that, I am now cured, and I'm not cured. I didn't graduate right. magnum cum laude of better behavior or whatever. The reality <laughs> is is the fact that I took the shortcut. I, I went through anger hey. management, and I said, be happy. Look at my effort. I went and I did this. You wanted me to do this, and I still never took responsibility for my behavior. Exactly. You know, another another little manipulative ploy, too, that the battle is trying to do, if a person knows they, they, before they go to court, Sometimes their parents will have them to be proactive, go and take an anger management evaluation. And so they'll go do that so that they can go and take an angry an anger management evaluation result back to the court. But he called it being proactive, but it's really going to be part of the manipulative manipulative uh, attempts of a uh, and, 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 and characteristics of the battle. Just trying to manipulate, trying to exploit, you know, having little regard for the rights of others and truly a, a authority figures. And so that's the other thing too. If um, um, I think victims need to know too, if 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 um, they see that if they know it's domestic violence and the batterer has gone out and 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 and, and received a, an anger management evaluation, 
that they need to protest that they were still, they're still trying to exploit. Absolutely. Those are some powerful points that you've shared, and I know that our audience is going to benefit from this because oftentimes, you know, there are people, you know, victims really want to see that this person change. They want that. They would love to see that they've changed, and for them, the only indication, or at least their primary uh, sense of uh, uh, indication that this person is trying is the fact that they went through a class, but going through the wrong class is not the, is not is not a uh, remedy. It's no different from uh, those of us that are used to doing pastoral counseling, but I'm dealing with a domestic violence situation. So what I do, I I end up to miscounsel. I begin to talk to the victim and say, well, look, you know, what are you doing? You need to fix yourself up better, you know, get someone to keep the children, put on your red dress and your high-heel shoes. And other than me, Uh, like Luther, I've just set her up for failure because now it's like giving her a prescription. It's like me giving her a, 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 like me giving her a prescription for Pepto-Bismol for a headache. It does wonders right. for the stomach, but it doesn't do anything for the headache. So that is very crucial in this time. And thank you so Amen. much, uh, Dr. Castell. Uh, for those of you that All are listening, right. you're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. And uh, we're thank here you, in man. the Mississippi Delta here at the Speaking of Faith Conference. And a lot of our friends and colleagues are here at this very special conference, and I've asked them to be a part tonight, and they are calling in. So those of you, my other friends that are there, and you are part of this, uh, and those of you that are listening, even my regular listeners, you have a question in or comment, simply hit number one on your keypad, and that lets our, our engineer know that you want to get on, and we'll get you on the air. We're going to take another call, and I'm quite sure I didn't have to go uh, very far to get the next call, but I'm going to bring on our next guest this afternoon, and this is not other than Ms. Adrian Costell, who, if you notice the similarity in last name, she is the wife of Dr. John Costell, and they're doing a tremendous work there in the Tacoma, Washington area. And I say good evening and welcome to Hope and Healing. You're on the air with us, Sister Costell. Oh, thank you so much. I, you know, I, I really agree with um, what um, uh, Dr. Costell said about uh, understanding the difference between anger management and, and domestic violence. But one of the things that we teach our victims in our victims program is we let them know that just because your partner is going to treatment, that's not a guarantee that he's going to change his behavior. And that's why it's very important that they have a plan and also receive continued support so they can uh, make sure that they're safe with along with their children. And sometimes um, victims think, well, if he's going to treatment, it's okay. But I try to encourage them, listen, the treatment shows that helps them build the, the, the foundation, but it is a li- it's a life change that they're going to have to make, and that's not going to happen overnight. But it's important that you know that just because your, your, your partner's in, in treatment or your baby's daddy's in treatment, that that's not going to guarantee your safety because he's, he has developed this pattern of behavior of thinking and acting that's not going to change just because he takes a few classes. And that's why even a year is not even long enough for the, for the client um, to receive the kind of help they need. But what it does is it builds a foundation that, that they can build on and, and begin to change that pattern of behavior once they become accountable for their decision-making. 
Absolutely. You you brought up something very important. I, I would love for you, to, if you would, uh, uh, definitely uh, share with our audience, share with them a little bit about your program there in Tacoma, Washington. Your your program is called Hope, and you and I want you to give them the acronym for this because you know, of course, we you know many of us have heard of some type of Hope program in our area, Operation Hope, exactly. Project Hope, yes, you know, yes. Hopeful, and all those things there. But <laughs> yes, you have a unique yes. you you have a unique acronym, and I would like you to just take a few minutes to just share with our audience about. Hope and what you do there, and, and what's your goal there uh, with the uh, victims and the people that you serve? Um, Hope is a, a victim advocacy agency that specializes in the needs of African-American women, and Hope stands for helping overcome personal emptiness. Because once you have, have become a victim and you're dealing with the issues, it's personal. And it doesn't matter who's in there Absolutely. with you, whether it's your children or who's ever involved in it. This is a personal issue. And it's really important for victims to become empowered. You know, um, we often hear them say, that, okay, we don't want to re-victimize the victim. But it's also important to know that if the victim doesn't get any help, she's set up to fail because she may leave that relationship, but if she has not made the cognitive and psychological changes and, and, and went through the healing process, she'll leave one relationship and go to another one with the exact same systemologies. So our goal is not just to get the victim, but to help change her cognitive thinking style and empower her to be successful, and especially for black women. Black women have a unique uh, uh, challenge because of what they've been through historically. They are considered the very less um, on a total pole to receive services. Uh, there are uh, negative myths about black women are, are strong or or they, they're angry women or, or they don't want to really, really receive help. Black women have just learned to survive with, with what they have. They've always want help as any other victim would want help. So what we do is we go all the way with them. We go to, them to the court. We help them with the parenting plan, the no-contact orders, and then we do follow-up. Once we get them stable out of crisis, we don't just leave them there. We make sure that we follow up with them and, and pro provide them with um, referrals and resources that can continue their support and safety. Absolutely. That is a, that is such a beautiful, what I call comprehensive work, because of the fact that, you know, you're, you're not just interested in them getting out of a physically abusive relationship. Yeah. You're not just interested in them being physically removed from it, but you understand that journey to wholeness and that healing that they need, because just because they're out doesn't mean that they're out. Uh, oftentimes exactly. we talk about a person leaving an abusive relationship. Well, the abuse may have stopped, but the pain still goes on unless there is exactly. uh, intervention in the right treatment. And one of the things that makes it unique, and I want to say this here before we take a break and uh, and get in some other callers, is one of the things that is unique is that your husband and yourself, your programs are, are both faith-based, but you're also working hand-in-hand -in, -hand in some instances with the secular community. And I would like to think that that is the model that we're going to all find ourselves in because of the fact that literally we have to understand strengths and we have to understand the strengths uh, that comes with uh, with uh, with trained and educated faith community members as well as those that may be uh, uh, trained socially and therapeutically and those things there. But when the two come together, you could you could definitely have a recipe for healed and transformed victims as well as healed and transformed perpetrators. 
Absolutely. And so we're and, so know, Absolutely. Black women often are connected to some kind of faith-based community because when they get in trouble, the police is, is, is the last person they want to go to because of the historic events that have happened to black people in this country. So they're going to go to their pastor. So when a black woman comes into your office and you can identify with, with her spirituality and her unique needs, well, like she, she feels like, okay, this is a place that understands what I'm going through. And so that's one of the blessings that we are able to do clinically and um, as well as spiritually to be able to provide both uh, sides of what they deal with culturally and emotionally and psychologically that can really help them um, move forward in their lives. Absolutely. Well, people, you've heard it here. I'm so very glad. Once again, you're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Ficklin, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us here on the Soul of America Radio Network. And as I said before, we are here in the great state of Mississippi, the Magnolia State. We're here in the Mississippi Delta at Greenville, Mississippi. We have been here ever since Saturday evening, and we've been a part of a very uh, tremendous conference here, speaking of faith conference, that is being hosted by our house incorporated. Uh, new birth to violence, free living, and it's been more than an ocean. It's been absolutely a tremendous conference filled with inspiration, information, revelation, and instructions that have made uh, such an enlightenment. We have been joined by colleagues from across the country, those that are associated with the African American Domestic Peace Project from the various cities, and we're very glad to have them on today. You've been listening to a couple of our guests, and right after the commercial break, we're going to have more guests on tonight, and so we say stay tuned. And we'll be right back after this commercial break. You're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. This is your host, Karen Pickman. I'll be right back. is the soul of America Radio. Thank you for listening to J.R.L. Thicken, Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. We feature every Monday night a show solely devoted to people that are going through abuse. Some type of problem in your lives that you can't work out. We mainly focus on domestic violence, the cancer in our lives. Join J.R. Thicklin, your host, here every Monday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern, 8 o'clock p.m. Central, right here on the Soul of America Radio. You can contact Jay every Monday night at 323-784-9638. Or you can listen to him online. Just follow at soulofamericaradio.com and listen for look for live streams. And that way you can speak or listen, whichever your choice may be. Thank you for joining us tonight. You're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin, on the Soul of America Radio. If you're listening via internet and you want to speak to the host, 
Please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. This is the Soul of America Radio. Here's your host, J.R. Thicklin. Welcome back to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us here tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network. And special thank you to Mr. Tony Soland, the president and founder of the Soul of America Radio Network, for that announcement. Once again, uh, those of you that may be just joining us way by Internet or by phone, uh, you are listening to our show tonight, special edition tonight that we are broadcasting live from Greenville, Mississippi, right here in the Mississippi Delta. As I've said before, we're part of a uh, conference we've been at here with the Speaking of Faith conference here, hosted by Our House Incorporated. Uh, what a tremendous uh, conference it has been, filled with information uh, experts, practitioner advocates, you name it, ministers, and those from all spectrums that have been here lending their expertise to the subject matter, and it's been a learning experience for each and every one. So once again, some of our guests are here and some of our guests are listening. For all our guests and any of you that may be listening, you want to come on, you have a question or comment, simply hit the number one on your keypad. If you already are dialed in, hit the number one. Other than that, I won't be able to get you on because I won't know that you're ready to talk. So hit the number one. That lets our engineer know that you want to come on the air, and we'll get you on the air. Tonight's show is called Domestic Violence Across the Country. How are we addressing it? And it's a message that I think that is important to understand that there are so many different strategies and uh, and different interventions that are going on. Uh, and so that one of the things that are so important that as we uh, do this work across the country, it's always good to know what others are doing. Sometimes it's easy to find yourself feeling like you are alone, that you're the only one, very much like the prophet Elijah. You figured, Lord, you know, I'm the only one that's doing this. And uh, everybody else have bowed and given in. And the Lord had to remind, listen, I have 700 prophets that have not even bowed. And so we need to understand it well. Uh, but I want you uh, to understand today that this experience of learning and being able to talk to others across the country and, and then you find out how each other are doing this type of work, it is very refreshing and rewarding. So that is one of the reasons that we're on tonight. That's one of the reasons that we're doing what we're doing tonight. So area code 323-784-9638, area code 323-784-9638. That is how you reach us tonight. You listen to Hope and Healing, a journey to hold us. And so once again, if you'd like to get in tonight, you'd like to have a question and a comment, you simply hit the number one. There you go. Just go ahead and hit the number one on your keypad. That lets our engineer know that you're ready to come on the air. And we'd love to have your question and a comment. It doesn't have to be about what's happening here necessarily in Mississippi, but maybe you have an issue. Maybe you have a question. Maybe you have a story, a testimony you'd like to share about the issue of domestic violence. Perhaps you just didn't understand what it was all about. But this is the platform that you can begin to have that conversation. So once again, the number is Erico 323-784-9638. That is how you reach us on tonight. 
and you can feel free just to simply hit the number one on your keypad that lets them know that you want to come on the air tonight and we'll get you on the air. Now I'm looking at a board that is filled with people that are that are listening, but uh, we're waiting on you if you'd like to be a part of it. Once again, for those of you that are listening and you're just joining us on the air, this is a special edition broadcast. We're broadcasting live. That's right, live tonight. We're down in the Mississippi Delta in Greenville, Mississippi, being a part of a tremendous conference here. Speaking of faith conference, and once again, this conference is being sponsored by Our House Incorporated, a new birth to violence-free living. And when I tell you it has been an exemplary conference in terms of not only its organization, but in terms of its content, and I'm telling you, you cannot have been a part of this conference without having been touched from every aspect, not only from the from a philosophical, therapeutic, uh, uh, logic model type of a uh, of, of education, but also from the spiritual, the spiritual inspiration, the transformational messages that are going forth. And I'm telling you, I can hardly wait to tomorrow, as that will mark the end of our time together. But it has been fruitful in every sense of the word. So tonight, as we're talking about it, I want you to get a chance to uh, speak and to uh, hear some of our guests. So if our guests they're on the line, and you're ready to talk. Uh, you're ready to uh, come forward. Please hit the number one on your keypad. That lets our engineer know that you want to come on the air, and we can get you on the air, and you can get a chance to address those individuals that have uh, tuned in, as they so often do. Now, as we're waiting on our callers to come, our guests to come and uh, to uh, indicate that they're ready to come on, there's a few things I want to say because in a world where we often see images of what domestic violence look like, we're often seeing the bruised, the battered, those that have suffered at the hand of homicide or suicide. And so for many, they, many that might be existing that might actually uh, uh, exhibit uh, behaviors and have definitely have been on the end of, of behavior that constitute that they really are a victim, they don't identify necessarily that they're a victim because of the images they haven't given that have informed the way that they feel about being a victim. And so it's so important to understand that all domestic violence is not just just physical abuse. Definitely the mental, the emotional aspect of it, the psychological, the economic, the sexual, all of those things are a part of those devices and those tools that are used to accomplish abuse. And we have to understand that we all have a role inside of it. Undoubtedly, the faith community is a vital part of this, even if they collectively might not realize how vitally important that they are. Because it is important to recognize that when all research says that in a time of crisis, the victims turn to their faith leaders in law enforcement almost interchangeably, number one and number two. Problem is that a lot of time in our communities and communities of color, because of the history of a relationship between law enforcement and oftentimes the black community, we're just a little hesitant to always make that call because we understand that that call can, that call can end up being greater consequences and circumstances than perhaps the victim wants. Yes, they call the police because they want the abuse to stop. They want him removed from the premises or whatever, but they don't know whether or not this will end up and involving him being shot or killed inside of this. So oftentimes the choice is almost between their own personal safety and whether or not the fact of the safety of the batterer. And so 
we have to understand those dynamics and realize that they're not crazy for thinking that way, but this is the result of a lot of cultural issues, oppression that have been longstanding and historical. And so how do you trust even the law protectors and, and, and the law enforcers when you now have problems with trust of them? And now you're dealing with a batterer that you cannot trust and you know that you can't trust. And then we generally go with, I'd rather trust the devil I know than to trust the devil I don't know. And unfortunately, when those type of decisions are, a thrust upon a person who's going through a situation, it can become very confusing. And oftentimes we look for the lesser of two evil situations. But it shouldn't be that way. The issue of domestic violence is a violation of one's spirit, soul, and body. It is a violation. It is the literal control of the ravishing of an individual's life being able to take control of that life and making it what you want to, regardless of what they have expressed their desire to. And so we have a responsibility inside of it. We have a responsibility not only to talk about it in our in our schools, but definitely in our churches. The time is coming now is that we must understand that the art of preaching is one thing, but the heart, the art of reaching is another. And I think that we must look at ourselves and begin to rethink our process, that if we're going to really be effective, it's not just enough to preach, but it's, we've got to be able to preach with an effectiveness to be able to reach, because preaching without reaching is futile. But when we can preach and reach, then we are now accomplishing things because then we do what we're naturally called to do, and that is to empower lives, to shape destinies, to break them out of the bondage of uh, the bondage and captivity, to bring them out of bruise and brokenness of heart. And when we do what we're called to do, and we do it with knowledge and information, when we do it with the sense of humanity and the sense of love, we can be a transforming agent in the earth. And I believe that as more and more um, uh, churches and places of faith begin to be open to the fact of uh, not only being educated and empowered, I think that we will begin to see transformation in our communities. What better place can a victim go? Know that they not only have the privilege of singing in a choir, not just the privilege to be able to sit in pews or uh, sit on a committee, but what greater feeling is to know that my church, my faith has my back, to know that they are not tolerant of behaviors that are destructive to me. That's a crucial thing to consider. And so that is what we want to make sure that we cover in our time together. Erico 323-784-9638. Erico 323-784-9638. That is how you reach us tonight. You listen to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and we're so very glad that you've joined us tonight. If you'd like to make a comment, I have a question. If you're one of the guests that are calling in that wants to address and share a little bit about what are you doing in your area of the country as it relates to domestic violence, I want you to hit the number one. The number one on your keypad, that lets our producer know that you're ready to come on the air. We want you on the air because of the fact it is crucial that we have this conversation. It is crucial that those that are listening have an opportunity to understand there are works and there are innovative works that are going on around the country. And as those works are going on, it, it does foster hope in those that oftentimes that have felt abandoned those that have felt that they were isolated, those that have felt that there was nothing that they could do. So I want you to definitely take that in tonight. Um, but uh, here's the thing I want you to know first and foremost. is the fact that you cannot begin the healing process until you first begin to now acknowledge that there is an issue here and begin to take the steps going forward. 
That's very important that you do so. Area code 323-784-9638. That is how you reach us today. You're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness, and you're listening to your host, J.R. Ficklin. And we're going to take more calls in just a moment, right after this commercial break. If you're listening and you want to come on the air, simply hit the number one, and we're going to bring you on today. As a matter of fact, why don't I take our caller before we go um, uh, to our break. Call a number ending in 1406. Call a number ending in 1406. Alyssa, good evening, and welcome to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. You're on the air. Hi, JR. This is Jennifer King. I'm your uh, co-panelist we did at the conference today. I bring you greetings from Texas. How are you doing tonight? Greetings. I am great. I'm so glad that you've joined us, and I'm so glad that you've chosen to share with our audience tonight. And you just told them that you're from Texas, and I'd love for you to share with them what is it that you do there and how are you guys addressing some of these issues of domestic violence in the great state of Texas? Okay, great. Excellent. I work for the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, and the position that I am in is uh, Director of Family Violence Intervention Programs. And my duties at the division are to uh, work with family violence programs that want to provide services to perpetrators. In Texas, we have statutes that, um, now you know you can't tell judges what to do, but we have a statute that says judges shall uh, refer offenders to programs that have been accredited by TDCJ. And by accreditation, that means that if you want to provide services to batterers, then you have to uh, submit an application to the state. You have to submit your policies and procedures as well as be audited so that we can have some sort of monitoring in place for those programs to ensure that our the offenders or the batterers are getting quality programming. So we do that through an accreditation process. And how important is that? I mean, for those that are listening, and we do have plenty of callers that are on the line even now. But for those that are maybe listening by not only way of, of phone tonight, but those that may be listening by way of Internet, and for those that will grab this broadcast out, out of our archive futuristically, share why is this important? Why is it important that you ensure that the the quality of level of of service is important? I mean, uh, should we not just be satisfied that, that this individual uh, showed up? You know, he showed up to a class and someone took the time with him. Why should we hold them, even the programs, to a standard? We, just like the, the, the uh, philosophy of the program is to hold batterers accountable, then at the state level we want to hold programs accountable. Because if you have programs out there that are not uh, giving the correct message or don't, aren't using the proper curriculum, that could be more damaging to victims than them not even attending the program. Uh, one of the things that is real important for people to understand, and, and batterers programs have been around for a number of years, but a lot of times people confuse perpetrators are doing with anger management, and they think they need to go to anger management programs. So it's very important for us to have a monitoring piece to ensure that anger management is not the philosophy of the program, because batterers can manage their anger very, very well. They're not beating up their boss. They're not beating up their friends. Um, it's about power and control. It has absolutely nothing to do with anger. So we have to ensure that the proper curriculum is being taught. We have to ensure that the facilitators that are running the group are upholding the batterers accountable and not allowing them to minimize, deny, and blame 
and most importantly, not colluding with the batterers. And being a facilitator in a batterers group is a very, very difficult job. Uh, but batterers groups, and I keep saying group, it's because it's a group process. It's not therapy. It's psychoeducational. And we use the group process across the country because the, you have a number of guys in the group. The ones in the groups in, in Texas are open-ended groups. So guys can come in at any time, and you use your group members once they've attended several weeks. In Texas, they're required to attend 18 weeks, 36 hours at a minimum. That's what the group has to be in order um, to be on our state accreditation list. So you have the group members that have been there for a while and kind of had their aha moment that help the facilitator hold someone accountable. So, for instance, you may have a guy, it may be their first weekend, you may have a guy that may be their 10th weekend, and when that guy comes in the first week, he's going to do all kinds of minimizing, denying, and blaming. But when they hear from a peer who challenges them, then they, the message comes across a lot better. The facilitator's job there is to provide information, kind of walk them through the process, but it is a group process, and that is very, very important in dealing with the dynamics of family violence. Well, that is great information. I think that anyone that's listening today definitely will have a whole lot more faith in the fact that when there's a program that is uh, not only accredited and, uh, and, and certified, it should give the individual a little bit more hope than to understand that the right uh, – the right approach is happening uh, inside of this in that, that perpetrator, that person that, that victim may very much still love and care for, that he has a better chance of at least getting the right message and make and beginning that process of change when he's uh, is going through the right programming. And uh, one of the things that you said that is so important, and we still see it happening across the country, where um, oftentimes judges have to be educated. They have to be educated to understand that um, – that the reality is is that individuals that are perpetrators of domestic violence, it is not anger management that they necessarily need. They need batter's intervention. And so often judges, uh, when they're not informed, they will, they too will settle for the less of two. And uh, and they would say, listen, well, I ordered him to class. He can do this here. And, uh, you know, you get through this and you'll be fine. But the reality is, is the fact when you're properly trained inside of BIP, you do learn the techniques, and you also understand that psyche, the psyche of oftentimes batterers because, in fact, uh, they've learned to manipulate. They've learned to blame. They've learned to do all those things. And if you're, if you're not properly trained, you'll find yourself being in a uh, – you'll find yourself being right in the conversation with them. And as you said, the word we use is colluding. You'll find yourself being right there, and, and that's no good because the moment that you let a person, a batterer, feel that somehow or another – they are right, and they're you know, and you're and you're right on their side. Any chance of that individual, you know, being changed or transforming has been reduced to slim and none. And so, uh, I right. definitely you appreciate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you made a good right point, and uh, and uh, one of the things we presented on today, and you and I have been done a, a lot of work over the years, is we uh, talked about the approach to domestic violence that it has to be two pronged or we uh, talked about the two-wing approach. You know, we talk a lot about what happens to victims, and we talk about 
services for victims, and we, we put a lot of energy in that. And like you said, rightfully so. And this is what we presented on today. The other piece to that is programming for perpetrators because we know and we've heard from victims and the research shows talking to victims over and over again, they don't want to leave. They just want the abuse to stop. So we have to uh, come up with tools that we can send perpetrators to so that they can learn because a lot of times they don't even realize that the behaviors they're exhibiting are, are a form of abuse. They may have seen it in the homes when they were younger. They vowed they would never do that. But here they are in a batterer's intervention and prevention program, and they're having to to learn what it was they were saw what they saw because as they were growing up, if they were growing up in a violent home, that was their normal. They didn't know any different, and so it's up to us in this programming, and that's what I like about Texas. And one of the things we do have in Texas also is we have funding for programs, and uh, along with that program funding comes from accountability for the programs that they have to demonstrate to us that they are providing the proper programming to offenders. And if they're not, they could, they could lose their funding. So that's kind of the dangling carrot we have um, uh, for programming in Texas. We have programs that receive funding and we have some that don't, but all of them have to abide by the same guidelines, the same state guidelines that we have at the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. Well, I tell you, I have been impressed by what Texas is doing. I know in our earlier conversation, we were saying you guys said, well, we modeled our programs off uh, after Florida, and unfortunately, Florida has hit a hitch somewhere. Uh, first of all, we never had the dangling fruit. We have no, there is no funding for those programs. Uh, uh, right now, we're dealing with the fact of not even having uh, uh, what we call a, the monitoring. We don't have a monitoring agent that monitor them, very much what you all have in place very much. But it is very is very, very uh, encouraging to know that, um, that that there's efforts that are being made to address this situation, to hold uh, not only the abusers accountable, but to hold even the programs accountable that is doing it. And I, I really appreciate it. I'm excited about uh, what is happening, definitely excited about having the opportunity uh, to uh, partner with you and side of presentations and things across the country. And uh, once again, I thank you so very much for tuning in and calling in tonight with us here on Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness, and have to do this again real soon. Thanks so very much. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you, Jr. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Okay. You listen to Hope and Healing, the journey to hold us. This is your host, J.R. Thickland. I'm so very glad that you've joined us tonight. Listen, we're going to take a quick break, but afterwards, I have another one of my colleagues that are going to be coming on with us. Uh, uh, here's a, a colleague that has been doing his work for a number of years, have been in law enforcement, have uh, uh, definitely in, in ministry, and so much uh, to come. And we're going to be right back right after this commercial break. You listen to Hope and Healing. Via internet, you're probably seeing a series of advertisements. Please click on those advertisements as they help us to continue to bring you the best in soulful talk radio. 
Destiny by Choice to Fellowship on Facebook is a spiritual, drama-free, judgment-free fellowship forum for like minds to share in encouragement through testimonies, scriptures, music, prayer, worship, and fellowship. It is our desire to be an oasis of hope in the midst of the deserts and wilderness of life's most challenging experiences. We welcome you for prayer requests as well as your testimonies as we collectively operate as thermostats changing life's experience through God's leading in His Word. Join us as we empower lives and shape destinies. That's Destiny by Choice 2 Fellowship on Facebook. Through a search, you can find us. If you're listening via internet and you want to speak to the host, please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. This is the Soul of America Radio. I am Indy Harlem 2. And I am fighting the power on the soul of America Radio. Worldwide Coast to Coast Talk Radio. This is the soul of America Radio. You're listening to Soar. And now back to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thickland. And welcome back to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Ficklin, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us here tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network. For those of you that are listening in and probably have just joined us here, I want to let you know that this show is designed with you in mind as we address the issues around domestic sexual violence, abuse, abandonment, rejection, isolation, whatever that have caused the pain in your life. Every Monday night you find us here on the Soul of America Radio Network, and we're generally here from 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 o'clock Central, 7 o'clock in the Mountain, and 6 o'clock in the Pacific. Tonight, however, has been a special show. We aired 30 minutes later because we're airing live here from the great Mississippi Delta. We're here in Greenville, Mississippi. I've been a part of a tremendous conference here. Speaking of faith, conference has been hosted by our house incorporated our house new birth to violence free living and it's been a state-of-the-art conference and we're so glad to be a part of it you've heard from many of our colleagues from around the country uh tonight uh, you've heard them all the way from tacoma washington as i had dr john and adrian castile from the great area of tacoma i've had and you just uh, finished listening to our guests here just a moment ago, Ms. Jennifer King, who's with the, uh, the state of Texas, and she's doing the, the, the work there and overseeing the programming there as it relates to not only a batter's intervention and parole, those type things there. And I have the pleasure of having so many friends that are out there listening and colleagues, and I want to bring on one that I've known for a few years now, uh, and she's uh, co-opted some things together with us, and uh, she's doing some work. She has a book. Uh, man, she has a history. She's former law enforcement in the great uh, city of Chicago and law enforcement for nearly 31 years, I believe it is, and uh, she's pastored, and she's with us tonight, and I want you all tonight to ask we bring on my dear friend, and I, I don't know what's wrong with my, my audience here. Uh, they haven't done their job before without other guests, but I want them to give a great uh, hand clap for our guest tonight. 
Reverend Dr. Sharon Ellis Davis. Good evening and welcome Hello to Open there. Healing, the Journey to Wholeness. <laughs> I'm so glad you, to have yeah. you on tonight. I am doing great. I'm so glad to have you on with us tonight and uh, inside of so much. I've had an opportunity to hear you uh, actually, what, twice uh, this weekend. Not only did yeah. I get a chance to hear you with such a stirring, powerful message on Sunday morning, but then I've had opportunity to hear you share this uh, afternoon inside of the conference. And inside of doing the work, you bring a unique perspective because of the fact, wow, you were law enforcement and clergy. You were in the church and with the police. And still there were times you felt alone, vulnerable, yes. and unsecured. Yes. And I think yes. for any victim uh, who may be listening, uh, or perhaps even people that may have a cousin, a friend, a coworker, they may be a victim. This is why these shows are important, because when they feel like, wow, no one knows what I'm going through, I feel so terrible, I feel like I'm by myself, you can say you identify with it. I would love for you to get a chance to share what's on your heart inside of that and inside of so many things that are happening and some of the work that you're doing to help turn some things around. Thank you. And, yes, it, it was a lonely journey back there when uh, things were happening uh, with the police department not being able to respond or not wanting to respond and with the church not being able to respond or not wanting to respond. And that is uh, what brought me into doing this work uh, around issues of sexual and domestic violence. Uh, two of the programs that I wanted to share that I that I work with is Faith Trust Institute. It's uh, out of Seattle, Washington. But uh, the two programs that I work with Absolutely. quite a bit, most often are uh, one is for uh, uh, the sexual and domestic violence training for churches and congregations, and the second one is for clergy healthy boundaries. And for me, both of those go hand in hand because uh, it, number one, if we don't know how to talk to the church and how to help the church look at not only just understanding the dynamics of domestic violence and the legalities of, of domestic violence and teaching them how to, to network around issues of domestic violence, but if we don't also talk to them about their own sense of power and their own sense of control, and that's what we do in the healthy boundary training, because at the center of domestic violence, at the center of it, no matter what the cultural competencies are, there's always some issue that's related to power and control. But we have these institutions like the police department and we have the institutions like the church that, that really are dominated with power and control. And so how can it be possible for someone to hear you about someone else trying to control you when the church has that same, uh, that same issue and the department has that same issue? So what we try to do is help people to understand how the power is not bad. It's just power needs to be uh, 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 understood that when you have power, then those that are vulnerable actually should have more privilege and power than you. And because we don't, uh, when we don't allow that, then that's when domestic violence happens. And so both of those programs we've been working on uh, a lot with Faith Trust Institute because it's important to not only help the churches understand, but also help them to see themselves and see them, their own issues of power. Because if they don't, it would be difficult for them to work with uh, uh, survivors and victims and, and, and offenders uh, in domestic violence. And so that's two of the programs I wanted to share that Faith Trust Institute is involved in because we are available for churches to do this uh, uh, nationwide. And that's very important because here's, here's sometimes what is seen as an oxymoron. Because the church is seen as such an empowering center, 
and seeing as such a, a force to, of strength in those things, sometimes it's hard for even churches and pastors to, to I call it, humble themselves enough and to admit to themselves that we need help. We need yeah. help in understanding the issues of domestic violence and other related ills. We need help in understanding how to deal with it. And, and sometimes there's this impulse sense of pride and this impulse sense of self that says, well, hold up, I don't want you to know that I don't know because I'm supposed to know. And so, you know, I, I, I'd rather be this generalist and the master, you know, the jack of all trades, but I master none of them. And so rather than to admit that I simply don't know, I don't know, IDK, you know, I don't know, you know, I put people in danger. I put parishioners in danger. I put in folks from the community in danger. And some may question, what do you mean you put them in danger? I put them in danger because they're coming to a well that the well is dry. Yes. It appears to have the water in it, the waters of life. You know, lo, let he that first come to the come to the waters of life, let him drink freely. But when they come, and it's about an issue of, of domestic violence or sexual violence, or they come, and they come to the well, that water at the church, and the church has no clue about dealing with domestic violence. They have literally ran into a well that is dry. And part of a dry well is the fact that a dry well cannot satisfy a thirst, cannot quench a thirst. A dry well, a dry, a matter of fact, an empty well is dangerous. You ever heard about yeah. uh, animals or people falling in a well? That's a dangerous place to go. And I think oftentimes when you start talking about the healthy boundaries and uh, training and those type of things that you do with clergy, it's important. Because sometimes you don't realize the power, your own power, your own strength. And sometimes even, you know, uh, it, it was um, one particular writer that wrote Bosch. Bosch talked about the fact that those individuals who have power are sometimes the least likely to recognize that they have the power. But those that are powerless, they understand the fact where the power lies. And so when we don't, when we don't adhere and understand the power of influence that we have, the same power that draws people to us because they are coming to that well looking for something, it's the same power that influences them. And when we cross those boundaries, yeah. it can be very detrimental. Yeah. And then we're blamed uh, for crossing those boundaries uh, in negative ways as victims. And police are, and pastors do not understand that when they, when they down that uniform, they're in, they have power whether they like it or not. And what they say matters. Absolutely. And what they do matters. And we don't want to re-traumatize anyone when they come to us for in places that are supposed to have been uh, there to help them. We don't want to re-traumatize them in person. And not at all. And that and that is that is a great danger. And one of the things that I'm quite sure that you can speak to this is that what happened when when even incidentally pastors end up traumatizing people. Uh, they traumatize, re-victimize the victim because even because of their lack of understanding, they ask the wrong question. Are they, are they, uh, they, their responses are phrased in a manner that simply says to the victim, I don't believe you. Or they, they said in a manner, yeah, and they minimize, they dismiss it, and, and what they don't understand, sometimes you don't have a second chance to reach a yes. victim. Sometimes you don't yes. get a second chance to, to, to be uh, that, 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 that full well, so to speak. So it, it, it definitely is, is a case why we as 
pastors and leaders and clergy and all of those things there need training because at the end of the day, there's a whole group of us that just feel like, hey, I'm anointed. God called me to preach. I'm anointed. The Spirit of the Lord, God is anointed. Yeah, but you can be anointed with stupid. You can be anointed with ignorance. And, I mean, you, yes. you can be blessed with ignorance and anointed to be stupid. Yes. And if you don't get yes. education about how to deal with it, then you become an enemy. You become really a vice to those that are hurting. So rather than being able to do the work that you said you've been called to do, you end up being one that has actually yeah. perpetrated the actions on victims and oftentimes could scar them for a long time. Absolutely. And if we want to, to be in those positions of power and God puts us in those positions of power, then we should want to be a resource and not a roadblock to anyone's healing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you spent a long time with the police department and that was a long time inside of law enforcement. And, and uh, you spent a long time inside of ministry and inside of that. And one of the things about your story is always compelling is when you talk about the fact at the time that literally you really couldn't find help in either one of the places there. And, yeah. and it puts you on this this journey. You know, when you come to the door, once again, uh, there are so many parables scripturally. You know, here it is. You come to the fig tree that looks like it's full, but it has no fruit. Yes, yes, And yes. you find yourself in a position going, wow, yes. you know, I need help now. But I know where I've come. I've come to the street, and there's no fruit mm-hmm. there. There's nothing for me to gather. Mm-hmm. And, and inside of that, it either makes you do one or two things. Either you're going to search harder or you're going to find, you're going to find a way uh, to realize, listen, there's no fruit here. I've got to make sure that the next person don't find themselves in this position. If I can ever get out of this, if I, if I can ever recover from this, if I can ever regain my sense of self from this, I don't want anyone to experience what I experienced. And that's when, when I knocked, the door wasn't open. And that's what uh, we have to uh, uh, understand, that my healing, my spiritual healing, did not come out of my Christian faith. I actually had to turn to another type of faith to be healed. And the sad part about it is when I did come back to the faith, everything I learned in the other faith was in our Bible. But they did not teach it and they did not preach it. And what I had to ask is why do we privilege some things in the Bible that hurt to the to, 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 to the neglect of, of privileging those that heal and restore and revitalize. To what end and for what purpose do we do that? And until we can answer that question, we're going to keep hurting people. And that's what our job is in, in working with the faith community is let's stop this nonsense. Let's give them this whole Bible exactly. that has healing and restoration and the balm and Gilead in it. And I think it's crucial because, you know, I think something you said earlier was so important. When we don on this, when we don on this title, when we don on this position, when we don on this office, there's a great deal of responsibility that comes with it. Yes. And it's not necessarily one that you can vacillate in and out of. I know that sometimes we want to go, well, I'm human just like you are. But listen, when it comes to certain situations, you can't afford to be human. You have to put human on hold for a second. You may and have to find some to superhuman stress to work. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Yes. And so the, and those things are very crucial inside that. Yes. Absolutely. It's yes. important Thank that we so do that. Yes. And, and, mm-hmm. 
And one of the things we got to understand inside of things that you're doing, that I think is very important, is that it's not a punishment to us. It's really meant to empower us and strengthen us so that we don't become a stumbling block or, or a barrier to those that really need us. Because yeah. everyone, you know, you think about any experience that you've had of brokenness. Mm-hmm. When you bear yourself to someone, when you make yourself vulnerable and transparent, the last thing you want is to be re-injured, to be opened yes. up only to be violated. And so we have yes. to understand if we are really being called to help bind up the brokenhearted, then we've got to be about our Father's business in doing so. I really appreciate that so much. There are any closing comments from you? It's always great uh, uh, talking with you. Uh, you've already given the names of the uh, agencies that you're working for, and, and as you've said, that uh, these services are available to pastors and churches across the country. Perhaps many of our listeners that are listening tonight, perhaps you will have opportunity. Perhaps you would like to call in and, uh, and actually have an opportunity to uh, listen back to get the information of how you can get this uh, type of training in your area for your pastors, yeah. for your alliance, because these things are very important. Important. No one is exempted from it. We all need yeah. this type of help that is going to strengthen and us to be yeah. able to do the work that we've been called to do. I think I would just like to close by saying of all the hurt that I had in my life through sexual and domestic violence, nothing has hurt most than what the church has done in response to it. And I think that if the church begins to understand, the faith institution understands that they have a key to our, to our healing and our wholeness that's so vital. Because when I tell this story, and then I tell the story of the actual church, that's when I have the most pain. Because my expectation Absolutely. was there for them to, to heal and to, and to be there. And we need to, we need to, our church needs to respond. And we need to use the power Absolutely. that we have to empower others. Absolutely. Sharon, I couldn't have said it I could not have said it better myself. You continue to do the great work that you have done for many, many years. You know, and uh the scripture come to mind and let us not be weary in well doing, for we shall reap in due season if we faint not. And we when we know that we're doing a we're doing a great work and you're doing a great work and, and although it may appear that many when we can Consider the masses and the number of churches and faith and religious organizations across the country and across the world. It may seem like we're making very little impact, but we have to not get grow weary in our well-doing, knowing that we're going to reap in due season. When we reap, we may see that reaping through lives of those that will not have to go through some of the things that you have gone through and, and others have gone through, even I have gone through. And that's what makes it so great, because if we can raise up another level, another church, and I believe that's what we're going, I think that's the intersection even of this conference, when we talk about having these conversations and these dialogues, it is now time, it is now time that, that it's not a matter of being territorial now when we're talking about dealing with people's lives. We've got to understand both from the uh, faith community and the secular community that there are two wings on a bird, and these individuals may need not just this or that, they need this and that, and we just have to make sure that we're not a barrier to them receiving this and that. And we can continue to do this work. We continue to reach out. We continue to understand that we are going to keep in mind that it's not about us. It is about those that we're serving. And if we can keep that in mind and do the work that we've called to do, 
I believe that we will reap <laughs> and we'll get a chance to, uh, yeah. uh, to taste of the reaping and enjoy Amen. the fruit of that which is being reaped. And I once Amen. again thank you so very much for being with us on the night. Always a pleasure. Thank Once you, again, ladies and gentlemen that are listening tonight, you're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness, and uh, so many special guests. I want to just give it up once again for our special guest there, the Reverend Dr. Sharon Ellis Davis. Let's give her another hand for being with us. Thanks so very much today. Those of you that are listening on the air, you're still there, you're waiting to get on, uh, simply hit the number one on your keypad. That lets our engineer know that you're ready to come on the air. We'll get you on the air tonight. We only have about 19 minutes, I believe, left in the program tonight. Is that right? Uh, let's see, 8, 30, 9, 10. Wow, time is going. So we only have about that much time left in the program on the night. Anybody who may be listening today, it doesn't have to be just my special guest. If you're listening as a caller tonight, you have a question or a comment, just simply hit us right now, the number one on the keypad, and we'll get you on the air tonight. I want to go to another break here, and maybe afterwards we'll bring you back and talk to another guest here. You're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Ficklin. I'm so glad you've joined us tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network. We'll be right back after this message. Radio. My name is Bernadette Stannis, and you know me as Thelma from the TV show Good Times. And I am hanging out with Tony on the soul of American Radio. Journey to hold us. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin. I'm so very glad that you've joined us here tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network. That's right. 
every Monday night. You can find us right here, normally 9 o'clock Eastern Time, 8 o'clock in the Central Time Zone, 7 o'clock in the Mountain, 6 o'clock in the Pacific, and no matter where you are around the globe, that is where you generally find us, and we're so glad uh, to have you join us tonight on this special edition show as we are broadcasting live from the great Mississippi Delta. We're here in Greenville, Mississippi, and we're here uh, part of the Speaking of Faith Conference, and uh, Speaking of Faith Conference is being hosted by Our House Incorporated, a new birth to violent free living. Uh, our state of the art organization is doing a tremendous work, and we've had opportunity to be along with them as part of the African American Domestic Peace Project. And uh, we're glad to be here in the Mississippi Delta. Hospitality second to none. Uh, everything has been absolutely. Uh, uh, tremendous in our time together. Listen, we have just a few minutes left in our bro uh, uh, programming tonight. As I look, I believe we're right up on about 14 minutes before we're off the air. So I want to take your calls. Those of you that are on, that's still on the uh, line, maybe you have a question and or comment, whether a question for me or any of the guests, a comment. We'd like to get you in right now. Simply hit the number one on your keypad if you're listening by way of telephone. That's and if you're listening by way of Internet and you'd like to ask a question or comment, simply go to your phone, dial area code 323-784-9638, and then once you're on, hit the number one. Yeah, Go ahead and hit the number one. That lets our producer know that you want to come on, and we'll get you on the air. So if you're on and you're listening right now, you've been holding on, and you desire to have a question or comment, please hit the number one on your keypad, and we would like to get you in on the air on tonight. Now, top of the night has been talking about domestic violence across the country. How are we handling it? The only real way to eradicate domestic violence is to really have a change of mind, a change of life, a change of, a change of mindset. There's an Ashanti proverb that says, the ruin of a nation begins in the homes of its people. We've all agreed and research have shown that literally when we look at domestic violence, it is a learned behavior. Oftentimes that behavior is perpetuated from one generation to another. Behaviors and, and, and behaviors and, um, and ideologies and, 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 and philosophies are all born and they're oftentimes perpetuated. It becomes part of the culture. And so if we're going to eradicate it, that means that we have to be very honest with it. We have to confront it. We have to be able to look it right in the eye and begin to confront it for what it is. See, whether you're dealing with the victim or the perpetrator, no one benefits from the blame game. No one benefits from uh, the tearing one another down. But what we all benefit from is, number one, accountability. Whether we are the victim or the perpetrator, we have to be accountable inside of what we do in our behavior. We have to understand something from a perpetrator standpoint that no one made you do this. No, you wasn't provoked into doing that behavior that you did at all. No, you don't own her. You don't, you don't have a right to it because uh, relationship is not about ownership. Relationship is not about that. Relationship is about partnership, and we have to recognize and accept that fact. Secondarily, we have to also look at the fact of the elements, the things that inform one's behavior, one that, the things that inform one's mindset. You know, there's a scripture that we often quote. It is found in Romans, the 12th chapter, and beginning in verse 2, for those of you that may be Bible readers. 
And it says this, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, perfect, and acceptable will of the Lord. And when we look at that word, and it says, and be not conformed to this world, what is it saying? Don't be fashioned like this world thing. There's a lot of messages that are out there in the world. There are a lot of messages that are being reinforced through media, whether it be social media, whether it be uh, television media, or whether it be in songs. There are many messages that are out there, many messages that send the repeated re-victimizing and the degradation of women. There are many songs and messages out there that talks about women as they are objects, as they are things, as if they are a piece of property. So you can't be conformed to this world, that type of thing. That word conform comes from a Greek word schematical, meaning to be fashion-like. So we can't be conformed to this world, but rather we've got to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That word transform comes from a Greek word metamorphos, of where we get the word metamorphosis. We must go through that change, that transformation. The transformation. Be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. The constant renewing of your mind, the word renewing there from the Greek word anon anew, anon anew, that is the renewing of your mind. That means that your mind is constantly being renewed, that you don't arrive at the destination and say, well, I've learned, I've gone through 26 weeks of batteries and invention, so I'm all right now. That's not what makes you change. What makes you change is not only embracing the renewing of your mind, but being able to walk in the obedience of that new mind. Begin to be able to operate there. Begin to continue to walk it out. Because we know that so a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That if we sow a thought long enough, we'll reap an action. If we reap, if we sow an action, we'll reap a habit. If we sow a habit, we'll reap a character. If we sow a character, eventually we reap a life. And those things are very important if we're going to become all that we need to become. And so in saying that, I say to you, those of you that may be listening tonight, and perhaps you felt that it was helpless. Perhaps someone tonight was on and they felt as if no one heard them before. Perhaps they're on tonight and they said, listen, I realize now that I'm not the only one with this situation. I can do a little better. And if that is the case, I'm glad that our time together has been worth it. But in our last nine minutes that we have left, I want to open it up once again for any of our callers, our guests, even our guests and colleagues uh, that have been here with us here in the Mississippi Delta. In that nine minutes, if you're already called in and you'd like to have a comment, a question, simply hit the number one on your keypad. You don't have to give your name, but, you know, if you'd like to, you can. But I just would love to have the opportunity to have you to share your opportunity to share your comments or your questions here tonight. So this is the last call, last call. Area code 323-784-9638. You can come on right now at that number. We'll get you on the air. Like I said, we won't give you a name unless you want to. And we would like to have dialogue about these things. What is being done about domestic violence? Is it an issue? Can law enforcement fix it alone? Surely we can just toughen the arrest policy and things will all change. Well, reality is that there are certain things in this country that's called laws, the rules. There are laws there, and contrary to proper belief, they can't lock you up forever for this. So that means that there has to be some type of transformation, some type of work in uh, changing the mindset of the person who's doing the perpetrating of the violence. If we're willing to do it, lives can be transformed. If we're willing to hang in there, lives can be made whole. If we're willing to dedicate ourselves to this, 
and both as a victim or a perpetrator, if we really need to do it, how many know that we can be made whole, even if we're not made whole together? that we can make, be made whole, and that is very crucial at this time. And so we're so very glad that you join us on the night. You're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey of Wholeness. This has been your host, J.R. Ficklin, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us tonight here on the Soul of America Radio Network. For those of you that are still listening, and you, this is truly the last call here. If you'd like to have a question or comment, simply hit the number one on your keypad, and we'll be so very glad to get you on the air. Whatever may be on your heart or your mind, it is a good opportunity. No question is a stupid question. Uh, every question that you ask is a question that has some validity. And so that's the number you can call even at this time. And uh, as we get ready to get out of here with about uh, six minutes on the air, we're going to say to you, thank you so very much. Uh, uh, I don't know if you heard it in the other commercials, but we want you to know that if you're listening, no matter where you're listening at, if you're in a domestic violence situation or you know someone that is and they're feeling trapped, the national hotline for domestic violence, 1-800-799-SAFE, 1-800-799-SAFE, 3233. That is the number you can call. And surely if there's a coalition against domestic violence in your state, you can get that state number. For all of my uh, friends and those that are back in sunny South Florida, there, of course, we look forward to returning home on Wednesday evening. But with much work to do, I want you to mark your calendars right now, October 17th. I want you to mark your calendar because it's crucial inside of some things that are getting ready to happen uh, that on October 17th, you're going to get a chance to witness something that is going to be crucial. And I want to make this announcement right now. October 17th, go ahead and save the date because October 17th, we are coming together. That's right. We are coming together. You're going to see both the House of the Billionaires and Destiny by Choice. We're coming together to sponsor at one of the programs, one of the unconventional programs that we're having here in the South Florida area. And no matter where you're listening to, you can get to it. This program here will be absolutely amazing as we're doing work to address the issue of domestic violence in unconventional ways. And so mark your calendar for it right now because on this particular day, we're coming together and our show, our program that day is going to be incredible in this sense here. It's about healing. It's about transformation. It is about not only accountability, but it's about where do we go? Because ultimately our goal is the goal of wholeness. And so it's going to be an evening that is filled not only with panels, not only filled with individuals, both perpetrators as well as uh, former perpetrators and survivors of domestic violence, but we're going to have opportunity here to really deal with some brokenness. And so uh, the program is October 17th. It's going to be uh, here in uh, Palm Beach. It's going to be at the Hilton uh, Palm Beach Airport Inn. And the program is Unveiling Secrets of the Past, Transforming Lives for the Future. And this is going to be a time that you don't want to miss here. And I want you to know that uh, you want to get your information now because what we believe we believe that it's time. It's time to unveil those dark secrets that have kept many bound and shackled. It's time to rectify the stereotypical mindsets and dispel the myths passed down from generation to generation. It's time to engage difficult conversations while addressing the alternative aspects of domestic violence and abuse. It's time to be authentic, and it's time to keep it real, understanding that violence and abuse knows no boundaries and barriers. 
it's time to embark on the journey towards acceptance, purging, and forgiveness. And on that Saturday, we're going to dis, uh, here is made available to teen, young adults, and mature adults. Um, on that day, it's going to be an educational and life-changing experience. It's going to be from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. It's going to be one that is filled with guest panels and panelists uh, from across different professions, uh, survivors. We're going to have in those panels not only um, female victims of domestic violence, but also male victims of domestic violence. We're going to have on another alternative panel, um, uh, we're going to have um, uh, not only former batterers, those that were former batterers, that once were those that was considered uh, the most likely to kill you or hurt you. And you will hear some men who have been transformed, who have been doing this work for a number of years. And I'm telling you, you want to be a part of it. So mark your calendar October 17th. You'll be able to be a part of it. Uh, once again, House of the Billionaires, along with Destiny by Choice, we're doing something together that is going to make a difference in our area. So uh, once again, tell a friend, tell a neighbor. That is what it's about as we look forward to empowering lives and shaping destinies. Our time has come, and we're at the end of this time today, and I thank each and every one of our guests for joining us on the night, each and every one of you that have come to make up tonight's show, Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness here on the Soul of America Radio Network. And as we get ready to get out of here tonight, I just want to say be strong, break the silence, because there is no excuse for domestic violence. Until next time, this is J.R. Thicklin saying good evening. 